Today I want to bring a message titled, The Miracle of Transformation. The Miracle of Transformation, and it's found in Acts chapter 9, verses 32 through 43. And the thing I want you to keep in mind as we read this is that what we're seeing, we're seeing God specifically gift certain individuals at a moment in time for a purpose. We were going from the the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, to the New Covenant. And the newly converted followers of Christ, particularly the apostles, we call it the apostolic gifts, the apostles had to be able to do the very same things that Jesus himself could do so that the people could identify and say, yes, yes, they do exactly what Jesus did, and they have to be followers of his. And so God used this time as a transition from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, gave specific gifts to specific people for a specific role, which is one of my points, so I'm getting ahead of myself here. But we're going to see in that, though, how God uses people to bring about transformation, as well as His powerful Spirit. So let's take our Bibles and let's stand together. Acts chapter 9, verses 32 through 43, and let's stand In honor of the reading of God's Word, beginning in verse 32, we pick up this chapter here after the miraculous transformation of Saul, who we know now as Paul. We don't hear much about Saul for a little while. And um, for three years, he had to be discipled. And he was a a murderer um, and, and, and a persecutor. He was a terroristic persecutor of the church. And uh, he was miraculously transformed by the power of Jesus Christ and became a disciple. And he himself eventually gave his life for Christ and became a martyr. And so we pick it up here after this had happened to Saul in verse 32. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. And immediately Aeneas Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Now, just for reference, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this part, but just for reference, remember when Jesus raised the little girl from the dead? It's kind of the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, Lord, and and then Jesus put the folks out of the room. And there's a similar um, uh, situation that took place here, took place here. And it says here, verse 40, Peter, Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed, and turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. 
She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for this miraculous set of events that we read about, that we believe and know happen. Now, Father, may you speak to us today how to apply these biblical truths to our lives, and I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. Some might say, well, preacher, do you really believe Peter raised that girl from the dead? Well, here's a question I have for you. Do you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And if Jesus rose from the dead, then anybody can be raised from the dead by the power of God and by the power of Christ himself. Okay? And you say, why don't you see that happening today? Well, there are some who claim to be able to do that today, but uh, I believe that that has gone with the apostles. These were specific gifts given to these people, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. There are three things that we see happening, and so put up the next slide, and it says here, we see the miracle of a physical healing, then we see the miracle of a resurrection from the dead, and then we see in this passage the miracle of salvation. So we see three miracles. Keep in mind, keep in mind that uh, Warren Wiersbe says this in his book, uh, the, the uh, expositional commentary on the, New Te- on the New Testament. He says, the miracle of healing is a great miracle. Healing the body is a great miracle. And today, God chooses to heal. Some He doesn't. We don't know God's ways and we pray according to His will. But here's the thing about, about physical healing. It's temporary. Correct? It's just temporary. You're going to die. Welcome to the good news today. (laughs) You're not getting out of this place alive unless Jesus comes back. But God has a plan and God's provided for us. So though our body can't go to heaven, our spirits can, and flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we know that healing is just a temporary thing, and I believe that healing is always about Physical healing is always about bringing glory to God so it could point people to God, not to the person praying or not to the person who was healed. Okay, so it's a great miracle. Secondly, the miracle of the resurrection from the dead is a greater miracle. It's a greater miracle, and it's it's pretty amazing. But here's the thing about the resurrection from the dead of this lady named Dorcas. Guess what happened to her later? She died again! I don't know if it's all that great, if you ask me. Think about that for just a moment. The good thing is that she knows what it was all about, you know. A lot of us, you know, sometimes our issue is not, we're, we're not afraid about eternity, and we know we belong to the Lord, but we're always like, how? You know, people say about, about flying in planes, I don't like flying. I'm like, I got no problem with flying. It's the, it's the sudden stop that I got the issue with. <laughs> but none of us know. And the resurrection from the dead is a greater miracle even than healing, but it's still not the greatest. The greatest miracle is the miracle of salvation. Because all of a sudden now you have eternal life. 
You have Christ living within you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. It's the greatest miracle because He changes you from the inside out. He does an amazing work in you. You belong to Him. And and though you die, you shall live. So these are the three miracles we see here. So what's the point of all of this? Number one, I'm going to give you these four things quickly. Number one, God uses people in the ministry of transformation. I see that in this story. God uses people in the ministry of transformation. You see, Peter was traveling about the country. Now, he was a fisherman, but now, you know, God was using him, and uh, he had preached on the day of Pentecost, and great things had happened, and many, many came to know the Lord, and his whole life at this point was committed to sharing the gospel and winning people to Christ. And he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. He didn't stay static. He continued to move, continued to live. And God uses people in the ministry of transformation. Now, I know people may not want to hear this, but I'm reading all of a sudden this week, and I'm skeptical of anything I read anymore, even if it comes from a credible source, okay? And you should be too. Be careful. But I'm hearing that all of a sudden, you know, we, we, uh, we're, we're going into COVID season again. It's like football season. It's like it's going to be perpetually here with us forever. And they're saying that, you know, they're going to start requiring masks. I think a college in Atlanta has required people to wear masks again. And perhaps these socialists and wackos are going to try, to try to lock you and me down again in our homes. If we've learned one thing, we should learn this. That God uses people in the ministry of transformation. And listen, you should always be about God's work. You shouldn't be afraid of what you can't control. And Satan loved to lock down people so he could get people away from each other. Because people come to know Christ when, when you're involved with other people, when you're connected to other people, when you're living in and among them. And that's what Peter was doing. He was living his life. God uses people in the ministry of transformation. Listen, God wants to use you. God wants to use little Luke who got baptized today and and little Paisley and Miss Betty and everybody in between. God wants to use that person to help someone else experience what they themselves have experienced. Personal transformation because of what Jesus Christ has done. So God uses people in the ministry of transformation. He doesn't use angels. Angels have a specific purpose. They announce great things. But people are used by God. You know why? Peter himself knows what transformation is all about. Peter himself knows what forgiveness is all about after he denied Jesus. And that's why God uses people. Second, the second thing I see here in this passage is that God uses, and you heard me say this a moment ago, God uses specific people, times, places, for His specific purposes. I say, what's the point of that? Well, He uses specific people, times, and places. This town of Lydda, this town of Joppa, were not just arbitrarily chosen by God. God specifically had these places planned out. He had Peter in the area. And he used them at that time. 
for a specific purpose, to bring glory to God and so other people can come to know Christ. So think about it this way in your life. What you're going through sometimes is, you might look at it, why is this happening to me? Why did I get diagnosed with this? Why do I have to have this surgery? Why 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 is this happening in my job? Why does my boss not like me? Why did this person turn on me? And we can answer a lot of those things, but sometimes bad things happen in our lives because of our poor decisions and our sin. It does. It's a fact. But for a Christian, sometimes also, and many times, it's by the design of God so we, be, we can become more like Christ so that God can use you at a specific time, in a specific place, for His specific purposes. Now, those of you who are visiting, you, don't, you may not know who we're talking about here. Well, you probably don't, but a man named Ed Heaton from Oregon who came here a year ago for a... Uh, liver transplant yeah liver transplant and you know he got the transplant he stayed in the hospital a long time and he made it through and there were some dark days for him but i'll tell you for the most part through it all he kept focused on what his mission was while he was there he says god has a plan and if he chooses to heal me and I get out of this and, and I have more years to live, that's up to him. Glory be to God and I'll use it for his glory. But if, if my time is limited here and I don't, I don't get out of here, I never leave the state of Florida, I never go back to Oregon, if, if that happens, then you know what? Glory be to God and let God use me for his purpose right here, right now. <clears throat> so God uses specific people, times and places for his specific purpose. So when you're going through something, folks, listen, try to think of not why, but what. What does God want to do in my life? How does he want to use me? And how can he receive the glory from this? And so Peter was about the business of the Lord, and God put him in the right place at the right time, and he was able to bring healing to this man, and God used him to raise this precious saint of God back to life so that she could declare the faith of Jesus Christ. And that brings us to number three. As the message of Jesus spreads, others are transformed. That's a miracle of transformation. Others are transformed. It says here, in Lydda, in this town, all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him, saw the man who was healed, and they turned to the Lord. And then in verse 42, it says here, that uh, this became known all over Joppa, this young lady being raised from the dead, and many people believed in the Lord. Many people believed in the Lord. The miracle of transformation. A lot of things happen so that the message of Jesus spreads to others so they too can be transformed. And that's what it's all about. Others, others, others. Look, don't get me wrong. We all have to take care of ourselves. The Bible says, you know, in Galatians 6, that every man is to carry his own load. 
It's wrong for you and I to put our load on someone else. Now, it does say in the verses before that that we are to carry each other's burdens. And there are times that someone is carrying their own load and then unnecessary or, or very difficult things come their way and they have, they have a heavy burden upon them and we're to come and help them. But all of us are to take care of our situation and ourselves and do the right thing. But in doing all of that, our focus should always be about others. About others. About others. Listen, I think you're growing in the Lord and you're coming to a place of greater maturity when you get to a point where you're willing to serve God by serving someone else without recognition, bless you brother, without a thank you. You should live your life in such a way, I should live my life in such a way that we should look back and never regret the service we gave to the Lord because somebody didn't recognize us. Because our focus should be others. At the moment in time, you did what you did, you served another because it was the right thing to do, and it it lent to their or to them becoming Christians and their personal transformation. And that's worth all of it. It's worth it all. But just notice how this message spread in others, others. Be aware of others around you. Be aware of those who are watching, those who are listening. You'll be surprised. The final thing I want you to see here is this. In the miracle of this transformation that we see, transformation ultimately leads to discipleship. Now, let me show you this here. In verse 43, it says, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Now, everything that the Bible teaches me about these early apostles, when they would go into a place and they'd stay for some time, they didn't just stay there for vacation. They were constantly meeting with believers, pouring into them, preaching and teaching, winning others to Christ, discipling people. Uh, A tanner of hides in ancient times was deemed to be unclean because he was touching a dead animal, the hide of a dead animal, the skin of a dead animal. And so a lot of the... um, unbelieving and religious Jews would have nothing to do with a, with, a, with a tanner. But Peter went and he stayed with one that was deemed unclean. Now listen, we're getting into the next chapter. You see, right now the message of the gospel has only been for the Jews. In chapter 10, it's coming to the Gentiles. And here, by him staying with a tanner, it's a picture of us seeing, if we'll just dig deep, and and we see, man, he's staying with a tanner, and God is beginning to to prepare Peter for what he's getting ready to see, that he's going to go to the unclean Gentiles and spread the word. But meanwhile, while he was there, he stayed with this man, and undoubtedly, he poured into this man and others in the city of Joppa and Lydda. 
and he poured into them, which is what we know to be discipleship. Transformation, being saved, and having Christ come into your heart and being baptized is just the beginning. Now you have a whole life of growing in Jesus. You have a whole life of discipleship to go. And it's important. You have to be willing to be discipled or your growth will be stunted. It's the natural progress. It's just like a, a baby being born into a family who, you know, uh, well, you got you to you feed that baby milk and and, uh, you know, you don't feed that baby a steak right away. And then all of a sudden, you know, as parents, you start getting wore out. Those of you on your first child, listen to me. I'm not, I'm not saying, because I know, I know you guys, those of you who, ha- who your first, first child, because I know we were like that. We thought we knew everything. We thought we knew more than anybody else. And we thought we knew more than our mamas and daddies that had already raised their families. And, and I'll be honest, and, and, and as medicine has improved and things have happened, you know, you learn more and this and that. And you have a responsibility as a parent, so you take it seriously and you do your best, right? Okay, so you have, you have that first child. And, boy, it's almost like you follow everything to a T. You know, well, at this day and this month and this. But you get tired after a while of not sleeping. And I'm like, Penny, can we feed that baby something warm in their belly so they'll sleep like a cat all night long? Oh, the doctor said you can't do that. Well, the doctor doesn't live in this house. I'm sleepy. And then you have child number two, if the Lord so blesses you with that. And then all of a sudden, you start shoving cereal down their throats early. And you realize, it didn't kill them. It helped them sleep longer. I'm a happier person now. The point I'm making is that, and you can disagree with me all day long, and that's fine, but the point I'm making is that, um, we all grow beyond milk. And we start to feed. We all grow beyond somebody holding a bottle for us. And we start feeding ourselves. We still come to the family dinner, but we don't wait to eat just once a week on Sundays at the family dinner. We fix ourselves some food during the week. We learn what's best for our bodies, and we start doing the best that we can. We learn what's bad for our bodies. We learn what candy is and all of that good stuff. And it leads to growth. Well, in the same way, when we become Christians, there's a process of discipleship that goes on for the rest of our lives, all of us. We continue to become more and more like Jesus. We continue to grow and grow and grow. You need your church family to grow just like you need your, your family at home. You, you need to be part of a church. You need to be active in a church and growing and being part of a body. You say, well, in that church, there's a bunch of uh, imperfect people. <laughs> yeah. It's called all of us. We're all messed up. I don't care how good you look on the inside, on the outside. One time a preacher said this, that uh, you know what the difference between a derelict, a drunk, who's got just a few days to live, laying on Bourbon Street in New Orleans, the difference between him and a businessman who's got 
a big-time business, a law firm on Canal Street in New Orleans. You know what the difference between both of them are? And both of them aren't saved. You know what it is? It's the outward decay. But they're both dead on the inside. And so Peter spent time here, no doubt, pouring into these believers teaching them, developing them, teaching them to grow so that within them they could become strong so that they too can feed themselves and then feed others. And that's the miracle of transformation. And so we celebrate today you know, the beautiful ordinance of baptism. And I love the fact that we had different ages. Wasn't that beautiful? It's just, just amazing. God, hey, you're never beyond the touch of the Lord Jesus. He can change your life no matter what age you are. But from the littlest one to the oldest one and everybody in between, now you begin your life of discipleship and growth. And that's the beauty. That's the miracle of transformation. You know, Coach, we say this a lot. Um, this is the same coach and I have. I don't know where I got it. Uh, I don't know. I guess I shared it with you one time. And then what well, we say it, we remind each other often, you know, and it's this. I'm not what I ought to be most of the time. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. And just like the children's song, he's still working on me, Right? How many of you remember that song? He's still working on me. I think Mr. Rogers used to sing it. To make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, Jupiter and earth. Something like that. How loving and gracious he must be. He's still working on me. The miracle of transformation. Let's stand together. Father, we thank You for Your precious Word and the truth of Your Word. We're grateful for the transforming power of Jesus. We're not who we used to be anymore. You've changed us. You're constantly changing us. Teaching us how to grow and how to live and how to relate, how to obey. So I pray this morning, for the person that's been sitting there. They saw the baptisms. They've experienced the worship. They heard Your Word. And maybe they themselves are saying, I want that transformation. And if that's you, where you are sitting, call out to God right now in your own words, in your heart. He will hear you. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Trust Him as your Savior today. Present yourself as a candidate for baptism and so begin the journey that transformation in Christ brings. Christian, if God's spoken to you today, maybe you're praying for a loved one, praying for a family member who needs to be transformed, praying through a circumstance that God would use you and you would have the right mindset to handle the circumstance you're in, for His specific purpose, His time. 
The ultimate healing is the healing of one's heart and soul that can come through Jesus Christ. Let God have His way in you. For those who are visiting, we have what is called a time of invitation. And we open this time up for you to worship, for you to respond to God, you to pray where you are, for you to come pray at this altar, to make a public decision, to join the church, however God is leading you. You let God have His way in you at this time as our worship team leads us.